in our times at the moment, there's a fashion to try a lot of different things. And it's always seen as a good thing to be open-minded, to try something new, incorporate new influences. And it is a good thing, but it can also be a good thing to shut the doors on the rest of the world and just dig in the dark deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper without any interaction with other movements and influences because you're going to find things that you wouldn't have found otherwise. Um, it's a bit, I think it's similar to the history of Japan in which, you know, there's many years the walls were down and it was so inward looking. And yet because of that, there's so many very specific, very deep, very unique cultural parts of Japanese culture. And you don't find that, you know, if, for example, within Europe, all these little countries and they're so close, their culture is practically a monoculture at the extreme, you know, whereas Japan is so different because it did close its doors. Yes, it can be a bad thing, but it can also be a good thing. This is Exit Pursued by Kaiju, a still mostly new podcast about international theater here in Japan. I am John. I must have killed more men than Cecil B. DeMille Matthews. And I'm Andrew. Yeah, but I shoot with this hand, Wulner. And those code names are there for a reason. Uh, we obviously are big fans of Blazing Saddles and a very fine performer who is in Blazing Saddles uh, as of this recording of the 30th of August. Uh, the fine Gene Wilder has passed from this great earth. That that means he died. Yeah, that's those words involved in that. Um, yeah, I love that movie. Blazing Saddles was was a big was a big favorite of mine coming up actually. That or the produ that Giant. are that are the producers I think. No, Young Frankenstein. That wasn't that wasn't kind Young of on your list. You know what? It didn't really Young Frankenstein. I never really connected with that one the same way I connected with those other two. I mean, Blazing Saddles is. Blazing Saddles and the producers is like Mel Brooks at the top of his form. Blazing Saddles works, actually, I think, because of of racism, actually. I think it works because of racism. I think it works because that's still a, like a big deal. And like really, Robin Hood Men in Tights is making fun of Kevin Costner having a accent in Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. That's really what that movie is there for. Whereas yes, Blazing was, Saddles was, was, was dealing with like a, a systemic societal problem. And I think that's why it's stuck around. And also, when was the last time that Kevin Costner has been in a movie that he was leading? So, uh, Andrew, I understand that you uh, you and the boys went down to your favorite slash most common slash perennial partner collaboration theater place, uh, JDS, over in Kawasaki and did a clean out on Sunday. We did. We did a massive clean out. Once once we got into it, it was it went it went well. Yeah. And that yeah that yeah yeah the background is our uh, is our fantastic sound intern. Henry Morris. Hello. Henry, I sense danger in your future. You should be careful. What, working at... Wait, what? <laughs> just uh, just something to keep in mind. So um, so what did you find? What did you guys find at the uh, at the We found out? this lovely pop filter that we're actually using on this microphone right now. Yeah. And the pop filter, it's pristine because it wasn't out of the case. But Henry, tell them about the case. Yeah. That, yeah. Tell them about the box it was in. I, I have no idea why, but the plastic on that case was so old that it had gone yellow and brittle and... I opened it and it smelled really bad, and but it was okay and it sounds pretty good. And Andrew, give us a demo. Pop, pop, pop. It's not popping, is it? Because it's a, yeah. it's a pop filter. Pop, 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 pop. It's almost like we know what we're doing. Pop, pop. 
Yeah, okay. Okay, pop filter. What else? Uh, That's like the cheapest thing you could possibly find in a, in a yeah, you know, Like pop filters like, cost like a ten tenner, maybe. A tenner, maybe. Yeah, but we're too cheap to buy one because we're, we're theater people. My, my, we were talking. We we're talking about just, making just one. We we're talking about making one out of uh, out of my wife's um, old nylons and a, a coat hanger. So this this you is a step mean, up. You don't mean your nylons? Uh, I wear a I wear a kilt, but actually I'm not that into stockings because they kind of bind with my leg hair. Ooh, nasty. Cool. Yeah. So cool. thank you, thank you for the straight answer, uh, uh, <laughs> the straight faced answer. I appreciate that. A lot of the stuff that we found there was old. Like we found we found a mini disc rack mount. Oh recorder. yeah! Like <laughs> yes. Oh, MDs, yeah. MDs. Please, anybody who's listening outside of Japan, please tell me y'all have heard of MDs. Yeah. The thing is, the problem with MD, right? It's like it's great because it's a small size, but it's basically digital. Qual. It's digital, but it's compressed. Whereas CDs, CDs were uncompressed. So why wouldn't? And also fewer moving parts. Because yeah. you had moving yeah. parts. CDs, CDs were. I mean, we're talking about like the Betamax of. Well, actually, no, Betamax was fine. But we're just talking. We're talking about, about the eight track, MDs the eight track of the digital yeah, era. The eight track of digital era. We didn't. Yeah. We didn't Oof. find any eight tracks. Actually, we had a system. We were going to have a system for points for different types of things that people could find, oh, like how outdated it was. <laughs> so MD, an MD player was like five points. If someone found an eight track, I was willing to award, like, I think, twenty five. Yeah. Points. We two reel to reels. What? Yeah. What? What was the um? Two reel to reels. Yeah, two quarter inch reel to reel. I think it was a, a working wow. a working camera tripod was pretty. Oh no no no! It was a. A lot of the, a lot of the microphones of the space uh, clones of Shure SM58s, like they're they're totally fake. They're not real. So. Totally, you can tell by when you oh, pick one up because yeah. it's light as a feather. Not, not entirely, not entirely sure. <laughs> <laughs> they fake all the paperwork and the box and everything, but like as soon as you take the what? as soon as you take the cap off and look at the cartridge, it's just some like cheap Chinese. Yeah. yeah uh, so we we had a we had a pretty big bounty on finding a, a real Shure microphone, which no one won. No one won that. Anyway, so so what else did you get? You got a no boom box. No boom boxes, but uh, I think there's there's I there's a, there's I, a I think boxes. there's a Cyberdam karaoke machine. I don't know what if it takes takes like like large yeah, optical discs or something, that, but it's like the kind you yeah. find in the karaoke places. Massage machine. Oh, a massage machine. Uh, it's like one of those like it's for dancers, so it's intense. It's this, it's like it's got two handles, and you have to sort of hold on to it. It's for basically for applying probably to the small of your back. It looks it looks like it'll be a lot of fun. Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah, this is cool. So this oh. is this is a Fostex. Um, it's a time code generator. It's like a rack mount thing. Ooh, it's Ooh. old as hell and probably obsolete now. But I thought that was model number. Model, model number. number. Give, give. Uh, from my res. Oh, actually no, that's pretty good. It's a Fostex time code. Generator reader four zero one zero. That Google auto filled that as I wrote in time code generator wow. and oh yeah. Where's that from? Oh, that's ah uh, Fostex. Hang on, I'm looking. Old. Uh, eight eight thousand yen. Wow, it looks like new. That ain't bad. Ooh. That ain't bad. I'm look. I can't. It, the website that hosts that information is so decrepit that it's having a hard time loading. The wireless. This. Oh, this is was beautiful. That, that this thing is. Be it has buttons. Yeah. Really? Oh, they put that. Oh, so there's a wireless microphone. It's like an infrared. Oh, infrared! Yeah. Wow, that is that is cool as hell. Um, yeah, that time code generator. Like, I have no use for that, but like, I mean, dang. Yeah, I mean, you could. That's that's gear. That's gear you put in for like a decoration yeah, piece. Totally. And you don't need like, that. Like, that's so cool. There's looking. like readouts on it. Like, yeah, man. I want like that. like yeah. LED, like old school gonna, like red LED readouts. The italics. The italic. Yes. Ones. Yeah, man. Um, and a couple nice. things we don't have photos of. I know there's one of those old TV VCR combos that might be sitting upstairs. Um, yeah, that, that and there's probably a bunch. Certainly does does not there's work. There's a bunch of costumes. No, I think it does work because I think they were using it to review old tapes. 
Huh? Um, oh my god. So, and I think the VCR that's that's that we the just the standalone VCR we have for sale is also functional. As far as I know, y'all know VCR, y'all know TV VCR combos do not work after a while. Like one of the two will break down and you'll look at it with your sad puppy dog, eight year old eyes for half a year with no VCR capability until someone comes along and smashes it with a hammer like Gallagher. Right. Okay. Um, we also found a crap load of garbage. So that was really fun to throw out. Great. Um, garbage. We cleared the booth. Guys, Our booth garbage. is clear. Because oh, I, as nice. I kept saying that day, you know, a booth. That's where you run the lights and sound from in a theater. That is like an office. It should be nothing should be up there that doesn't need to be up there. So do you know what takes do you know what takes longer than one day to do? A logo. Oh, are we gonna talk about the logo? How much YTG YTG now has a frigging logo. It only took it only Finally. took six six months. Six months. Significant numbers of months. From the initial crappy drawing that I put together to that, the final that like, crappy that drawing like, that you and I put Okay, I gotta talk about the the first crappy drawing that, that John put together, which conceptually open this up conceptually now. was 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 amazing, but Fantastic. but there was a, this this swoosh on it, and because we were trying to use the YTG colors of black and red, this swoosh looked like um a dog had eaten crushed glass and then out and then wiped its oh. in a circle on the logo. <laughs> I just want you to I just want you to understand uh, audience and Andrew obviously already knows this but I did not want that there. You were all like I need chaotic energy. I need yeah, I, need, like, blah, blah, blah. I don't know like, how that oh, translates God, to, to broken go. dogs but. <laughs> but we had some we had some good designs in there but then we also hired a bunch of designers and they didn't they did some cool stuff but it just that, you're a picky they never you know they never quite got picky Well, ass. you know, you're dealing with a company that's 100 116 years old. You kind of like you want there's a certain level well, you want to get to um with an identity crisis yeah okay. we should no there's no identity crisis i was very specific about what the and the logo does contain basically does exactly what i originally laid out right which was which was mm -hmm. uh you know steady institutional sort of like been around for a long time plus chaotic creative energy and i think i think we actually nailed that i think cubism cubism is is, is how we nailed that we nailed that down with cubism and nothing else right with it yeah uh and yeah yeah, I enjoyed that. I actually I really like our new one. I still like that. I still like the rectangle and the uh, and the dirty brush circles, but that's that's for another day. Yeah. Although I no, think I think but, the problem um, is with more and more people learning how to use Illustrator, the dirty brush circles um become sort of have become sort of the papyrus font of the logo world. <laughs> I think that's the problem because it's well, so cuz you know even like papyrus font it's a terrible font. But you could, there's probably one or two places it would be like, hey, that would be perfect. Except that now everybody knows that's a terrible font. Yeah. You know, and you see it and you're like, oh, no, it's a health food store run by hippies <laughs> ah! who have a computer. Oh, it is the hippie comic sans is what it is. Wow. So yep. I think we're, I think by getting into font talk, we're probably getting a little too out of bounds here maybe for our audience. Bit. They'll be like. And maybe, and, and, and maybe I'll post a, a special little thing and post all the crappy fonts, all the crappy logos that we went through before, uh. Before coming to conclusions, the one we have right now, which that one's the final one. No maybe maybe we should also I'm post. I'm gonna cut you. Maybe we should post also some of the historical ones that are quite that are quite off. Oh, those are great! Oh, this one, the, the one that you showed me <laughs> before when I was when I was having a, a nice angry evening with you. Yeah. Um. That that was that's. Oh. Yeah. It was God. like it was like oh, the 20th God. century Fox logo meets uh, Microsoft Paint. Oh God. Microsoft Paint and <laughs> hey, this is this is Yokohama. There's red brick. There's the marine tower. The Ferris there's wheel. The, the big the cos the Cosmo clock. It's like, let's put everything yeah, in Yokohama clock. into one logo. Yeah, pretty much. And there's a boat too. Oh, there's, there's a, a boat, boat. Yeah. So the, tall, the tall boat. The, tall yeah. the, the white. 
God, yeah, oh, it's just oh, painful. We'll, 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 guys, we'll, we'll post a thing on the website and show you the the progression of our of our logo. To be fair, I'm trying to remember. I read some historical documents. I think the designer of that logo may have been a high school student. So they cut cut that person some slack. But yeah, it's an awful, awful quote unquote. It's not even yeah. a logo. It's so it's weird. Not good. Look, I'm gonna put up. I'm gonna put up a number of them that I made myself that y'all can just laugh at. It's cool. I'll, uh, but yeah, we'll go up. And and you know what? Now that we have it. Almost got business cards now. Oh my god, you haven't. When's the last time you actually had a business card I in your hand? I think I ran own? out of the old ones probably around April or May. Since about, about three say, months. It was, pretty, I've been, it, was, it was before I left. It was yeah, before I left for Germany, been, and I know you were just kind of like. Yeah, I was mm. printing. I was printing them on like that crappy business card stock you buy from like the Yodobashi. One thing uh, we need to remind people is if they do have events coming up. They need to submit them to our site. It's really hard right now. We're trying to keep track of everything just by, you know, having people tell us. And in one case, uh, <clears throat> a dresser, finding a flyer somewhere. Uh, guys, tell us when your events are. And this is everything. Even if you're a school teacher and you've got a school show coming up and you think it's worth having the public coming in, go to our website. So it's exit.ytg.jp forward slash submit. Submit as in submit to Zod. Um, submit and there's a little form there. You just fill that out. That one ride. person, one ride. person has filled that out so far, and unfortunately, it was during a, the, our hiatus period, so we didn't we didn't get to use it. But if you got mm -hmm. something coming up, put it in there, and we will plug it on the show in our very long upcoming things section. If you have any suggestions, by the way, uh, you should get a hold of us, and you can feel free to to um, to get a hold of us via the website's uh, contact page, which is on the front page at exit.ytg.jp. Of course, you can email me at john at ytg.jp or andrew at ytg.jp as well. Um, those two work just fine. All that business. Um, but yeah, so we will be we will be sort of evolving this show as we go forward. And we've had some uh, we've had some really great interviews recently. And Tanya's is no exception. That is a fantastic interview. Uh, we have a really great one coming up in our next episode. We'll talk more about that one in our actual next episode, so you have to stick around for that. Because hey, check it out, Andrew. I did a teasing. You did the things. teasing thing. It's not. A, it's not the teasing episode. So you're you're one. You're one episode. You for that you're one. one episode behind. But uh, y'all don't know how much I cut. Like how much of Andrew's the word tease from Andrew I cut from the last episode. It was fun. So we have actual theater things to talk about. Seeing as how this is a podcast about theater, about theater, not yes. not the oeuvre of Mel Brooks. Oop oop. More like oop. So, uh, actually, this is a bit of a, a somewhat biased show, I'm going to say, because the show that we're talking about and the show that our interviewee is involved in, Tanya Koch... It's mine. It's my show. ...is your show, basically. Uh, it is Touch Me Not. It is a show. It is happening. And uh, we're bringing in director Tanya Koch in just a bit. But before that, we want to tell you what's happening in theater in Japan, uh, in international theater in Japan, uh, coming up real, real soon. Uh, which I guess I'm going to leave to Andrew. Yeah, because I'm i sorry. We do have notes, but I don't have them in the order that I want to cover them. So let me just, let's jump right to the one that I think is the soonest, which is actually not on this list, which is Apocrypha, because that's this Friday. It'll come out. It's going to happen mm -hmm. two days after this podcast drops, if everything yeah, happens on time. I can drop it on time, time, yeah. But it's this Friday, September the 2nd. Uh, and for those of you who haven't been there before, it's an evening of storytelling, sort of along the lines of the pod. If you've ever heard the podcast uh, Risk or The Moth, it's uh, sort of first person storytelling, true stories, 
And we've, we've covered Apocrypha in so many episodes. Go back and listen to three if you want to talk to uh, three. Yeah. If you uh, want to. Rachel Roberts, yeah. who runs it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a fantastic uh, it's, event. We will be there, which I think yep. is a big draw for people. I mean, we just bring mm. in the crowds. So just let them mm. know that we're going to be there. Mm. Uh, mm. And yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I'm going to keep hitting this Patreon thing like a nail that needs a hammer. Uh, yeah, if you're one of our Patreon patrons above a certain level, you will get access to selected video from Apocrypha. We've released the first one from back in December recently, so that whole entire thing is available. But uh, I think going forward, we're going to be more selective about which ones we release to patrons, just because the, the it's a long evening, and I think it's maybe better if we release stories sort of more episodically. So I think that's what we'll try to do. So mm-hmm. that's happening this Friday. It is at Bargariguri and Shibuya Ikenoe Station on the Kyoto Nakashira line. It's right out the northish exit. Get there. It starts at yeah. seven thirty, seven o'clock. It starts at um, se- it start well. Uh, doors open at seven thirty. The event starts usually around eight. Yep. Uh, and so, it's one thousand yen, but that includes a free drink. So I mean, this is the mm-hmm. cheapest evening out, entertainment evening out you're probably going to ever have in Japan. So that I think recommends it highly. Aside from Chuhai's uh, at the station or in front of the Family Mart, which is, you know, also viable. Um, find more information about that at ytg.jp. You don't even have to go to the exit site. The YTG main site has info about that. Of course, we'll post up on the exit website as well. Yeah. Mm. So the next event after that is I'm actually in a ballet recital, uh, but we're not going to tell you where or when that is because I don't want any of you people coming to it. But for those of you who've been looking at any of the photos we're posting, that's the primary reason right now that I'm growing a big beard. Actually, I'm growing a beard for the next three shows that I'm in. Uh, but that, right now, it just looks like my face is dirty. I feel like a bank robber. I feel like I should be carrying a, a sack with a dollar sign on it everywhere. Um, like I feel like a cartoon bank robber. That's what, that's what it feels like right now. Um, so if you see me, please say nice things about my beard so I don't have to feel bad about it. Um, okay, so the next one coming up after that is, uh, we, we mentioned this last time, I think, is Doodoo Boy is back on September 11th. It's at the Notan Art Space in Shinjuku. It's a heads up, this is a, it's, oh, 3,000 yen. Heads up, this is a 20-seat venue, so you better go grab those tickets now. Um, you can find the link to the show at our site, exit.ytg.jp. Get the link from, we'll make sure it's in the show notes. Get the link from there. If you have any love for like the storytelling one-man show format this you're not going to see anything better than this in japan in that format and don't forget don't forget this one on broadway it has to at least not suck and of course you know that because you listened to our episode with stephen bryan the main man and storyteller and one-man show of doodoo yeah. boy so be there uh but before doodoo boy there is the uh tip fundraiser avenue q oh i'm sorry yes uh, that's they, right that's right that's before. all it's all good, Pimpin. You just didn't put the notes in order, and that's fine with me. Uh, it is on September 9th. They've already done Avenue Q before, but this is a fundraiser to uh, presumably raise funds. That's, that's my generally guess. how one does it, yep. Yep, it's the 9th of September, which is a Friday. It is uh, at 7.30 p.m. You can get there at 6.30. It's when they open the doors. Uh, it's at a uh, at a theater in Miami, Aoyama. You can get information at tokyoplayers.com. We'll also put a link up on the show website which you need to go look at every now and again just because i post things there occasionally at exit.ydg.jp uh the tickets for avenue q are five thousand yen per person that'll include one drink you can also you can actually also give more than that or you can just give there's a link on the website where you can just also just donate even if you can't make it and what's next dresser is the is the next big thing with black stripe that just kind of came out of nowhere for me i didn't even know it was yeah uh yeah 
it just that's running actually the yeah that's running september 22nd to 25th and i think it's at transmission theater i didn't put that in the notes it is actually transmission it is actually, fact, it, Tran that's tran not transmission for when you're looking up it up trance like Ooh, i'm in a trance space mission like mission impossible Transmission Theater. It's right near uh, Sangubashi Station on the Odaku line. It's walking distance from Yoyogi Station. The tickets for that are uh, 4,000 yen. That includes one drink because there's a bar in the theater. Uh, and students are 3,000 yen. Yep. And, I, and if you're American, if you're, if you're American, you're going to enjoy this because it's World War II era themed and Americans love World War II era themed stuff. Go and check it out. There's more information on our website. Uh, we will do our best to tell you more about it there. Yeah, you can find more info too at their website, which is this with no spaces, all lowercase, of course. Black Stripe Theater, spelt the American way with er. Uh, dot com. You can find that info there. Also, I should mention uh, the show features uh, former YTG artistic director and all around great guy Nicholas Gregoriadis. So go see it because he'll be in it. All right. Uh, so then we also have course we've been we've been talking about this for months now. Uh, we've got Macbeth coming up October 13th to 16th at Theater Sun Mall. Uh, it's near Shinjuku Gyonenmai Station. You can also just walk it from Shinjuku Station or Shinjuku Sanchome if you're coming on one of those other lines. Um, you can find the information at tokyoplayers.com. And the box office is officially open as of, I think, just last week. Mm -hmm. So you can go reserve your tickets there. I suggest if you want to get a deal, you buy your ticket in advance because they have an... They have an early bird special. I don't know when that goes until, so go right now and get those tickets if you want them. Uh, 3,800 yen six. for early bird special. Mm -hmm. If you're buying those mm -hmm. at the door, they are 4,500. So it's quite a huge savings. Um, the child student price is 2,500. Yeah. And this is six weeks until opening, folks. This episode is going to drop on the 31st of August. I sincerely hope. And if I don't, then I'll be quite embarrassed when I hear myself say this in the future. But... Uh, we have about six weeks until it opens, which means that you're going to start seeing seats fill up, tickets get sold. So get in there, get the stuff done. Let's do that thing. If you're not, uh, if you're not in town to catch Macbeth, if you're listening to this from outside of Japan, or if you're just going to be away, you can still see the show. If you're a, if you're a YTG Patreon, uh, like, uh, patron level member, 20, $20 US and up, you will actually have access to a video of the show. Despite the fact that it's not a YTG show, we've made an arrangement with them. So our patrons will get to see the show on video if they can't, if they physically can't make it in person. So, and now the big thing, the big YTG thing, and one of the reasons why we have this episode up because we have the director coming up. Go talk about full gamut slash. Yeah. So the full gamut is this name we've thrown on top of the, the this double bill that we're doing, um, and it's it's two shows, both uh, physical, uh, both physical shows. What does that mean? Uh, that means that the story is primarily told through the bodies of the actors rather than the the words of the actors it also means that these shows aren't super plot heavy they're really really great for people who um are great for everybody anyway but they're especially good for people who for whom english is not their primary language or who have even people who speak no english whatsoever will enjoy these shows so the, sh the two shows in this double bill are touch me not which is the one i am performing in with uh ytg ensemble member naoi kawamoto and that's the one that's directed by tanya coke who we'll be talking to in a little and bit who also who will also feature in the show she's, yes she's with, uh, yes that's true she, yes, yes. I, keep, I keep forgetting that because we've been rehearsing so long on our part and they've been rehearsing separately so we don't see them performing as much but um yes ken and tanya will also be appearing in the show as a pretty major part of it 
showing what can really be done because they they are professional physical theater people whereas I may be a professional theater person but physical theater is something that I'm growing into and in that in the interview we'll actually talk about more of that yes. they, uh, Tanya Tanya and Ken have an intense commitment to this to this technique it's uh, it's very impressive to me yeah but, and they're very impressive uh, to watch and and Miss Hiccup is performed by uh, Yanomi Shoshin's I met her on tour six years ago in Canada and her show is this charming little show about this sort of kooky woman who wakes up in the morning and then tries to get through her day in very, very strange ways. There's, there's sort of movement, there's music, she sings. Uh, it's we've, I've, I've seen the show with a three-year-old with a 11 year old and a 14 year old. And all of them enjoyed the shows, the show Plus, all the adults that we brought have enjoyed the show. This is truly like an all-ages show. You can be zero. You can be 99. Because our show is 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 less all-ages, I, I think I think children can still come to see the show. There's nothing objectionable about it. It's just a, it's a matter of attention span. Uh, both the shows are under an hour. Just, just under an hour. And uh, I think our show, I, I, it depends on the kid, but I think 10 and up perfectly fine i think they'll i think they'll enjoy it it's it's on the 18th and the 19th of september do we say no we haven't said that Uh, already it's on the 18th and 19th which is a sunday and a monday it's silver week which means that it's holidays and stuff like that Um, i actually will personally offer the first person who gets uh, because i actually do the the patron thing um uh, the first person who gets a hold of us uh via the website because i don't think we have i think our i don't know if our email addresses work right now to be honest with you um from the website but uh do our contact form and put in the subject line or put in the line uh something about uh john's guest and i will i will take i will take you to one of the shows you can also I'll be you able- can send no yeah. you can send john an email at john at ytg.jp you can send john an email there for this clearly then the box office is open uh and i want to just tag on at the end of this because it's something we also didn't I, i'm not sure we touched in the inter in the interview is that we're going up as part of the Kawasaki Tokaido Festival, which means there's actually a festival going on as well as the show. So you can actually make a day out of this. If you come and see the, the early shows, you can go off and do festival stuff in the afternoon. Uh, there's other there's other types of shows. There's like I think some traditional Japanese dancing at another venue um, and some some other stuff. So it's it's definitely worth worth coming down, uh, even if you're coming from a little bit far, because you can make a whole day out of it. Um, you can also pick and choose what shows you're going to because they're, they're we're a double bill so you could see one in the morning and then choose one later in the afternoon and go have lunch and do festival stuff in between so there's all those kind of options but that's enough of tooting our own horns uh i think now is, let's yeah, go we'll, on to have get tanya to toot our horn let's put let's put tanya on the mic and get her uh, get her talking about what's uh what's going because on because she's with, been sitting uh, here so patiently the entire time she's sitting here because she shares with a certain andrew Wilner. A passion for theatre, which is probably what brought her to Andrew in the first place. And since we met, which we reckon is about five, six years ago, uh, I've been collaborating with YTG and either helping on shows or directing shows, such as the one that's coming up, Touch Me Not. My main outfit is called Tarinai Nanika, as in missing something. Je ne sais quoi kind of thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's for you to work out, but it's definitely something missing. Hence, Tarinai Nanika. There's definitely something to be sought for. We're searching. So through Tarinai Nanika, I and my husband, Kentaro Suyama, 
teach and create shows and perform shows all based on a very specific type of theater called corporeal mime. So that's what I'm here in Japan doing is trying to help this amazing art form to flourish here in Japan um, by teaching and making shows and working with whoever I can. And in this case, it happens to be YTG. And how did you meet Andrew in the first place? Coffee shop, I think. A coffee shop. Uh, how did we get to the coffee shop? Let's rewind. Um, I was giving a workshop. So when I came here, I just advertised a workshop and put it on Stage Boy Jack because everyone tells you when you arrive in Tokyo and you're interested in theatre, advertise on Stage Boy Jack. Stage Boy Jack. Yes, please. Keep going. Um, so the wonderful Jack Maluzzi allowed me to post stuff there. And through that, thanks to that, Andrew saw my name and he called me up and said, I'm Andrew and I run Yokohama Theatre Group. I can't come to your workshop. Sorry. <laughs> but let's meet for a coffee. So we did. And then whatever happened, I suppose I, spot, I started teaching for YTG. Um, that must have been the first thing. So for the first couple of years, I think I taught classes here and there. And in those shows, I was increasingly, in those classes, I directed mini sort of uh, class performances. And I guess as a kind of lead on from that, Andrew then asked me to start directing stuff for the ensemble. And touch me not. Yes. Okay. So uh, corporeal mime. Yeah. I think one of the best ways to describe it is if you compare poetry and prose. Okay, so with prose, you're talking about, you can talk about everyday life about, you know, I went to the coffee shop and I drank a coffee. If you turn that into poetry, suddenly you pay more attention to the rhythm of what you say, the sound of the words and the choice of words you use. Maybe you don't necessarily want to give the information in a chronological order. You want to maybe uh, make it non-linear, the, the story that you're trying to tell, and maybe appeal mm, not just to the rational part of the brain, but other parts of the being. So corporeal mime acting is that to everyday action. So rather than picking up a coffee cup and just gulping down its contents, if I'm doing that as a corporeal mime actor on stage, I'm thinking about, what kind of rhythm do I want to pick up the coffee cup? How big should the action be? Should I, I don't have to follow the rules, the logic of everyday life, which is first of all, I stir the coffee cup and then I drink um, and then I put the cup down. I might do it all in back to front, perhaps as if it's as I remember it in a dream or as if I, how I might want it to be in another world that doesn't exist. So you've got freedom to do all those kind of things with action as you do with poetry or with any kind of um, art, sculptures, which are, you know, the Picasso paintings where the, there's an eye in the middle of the face rather than in the place it's supposed to be. You can rearrange reality to suit the specific artistic effect you're trying to create. That's corporeal mime. Right. But you can't move your eyeballs around. No, so you have to find somehow to create the effect of that through the body. That's a big question. So the best way to go about it is to try and train the body to be able to do as many possible things as it can so that 
depending on whatever dramatic situation comes up, you've got a better chance of being able to give the effect of moving your eyeball into the middle of your forehead. How would you define corporeal mime? Because most people, if they've seen mime or if they're into mime, chances are it's it's Lecoq or one of the one of the schools like that. And so, how mm. is corporeal mime different? In corporeal mime, there's a um, very elaborate technique, as there is in classical music, for example, or ballet, which I don't see the same equivalent in in Lecoq, for example. So, in corporeal mime. There's a whole repertoire of different rhythms of movement, and you study those not in order to limit your vocabulary just to those, but as a springboard for all sorts of other kind of rhythms. There's, as you know, uh, every part of the body can be moved in three dimensions. So you train, you do scales to be able to build, to build the articulation of the body to be able to move your head, for example, to a right, right back, as opposed to a right, left back, in order to create a different kind of dramatic effect. Um, so it applies to the shape of the body, the rhythm of movement, the use of space. Use of space is not, there. there's more understanding of that in other theatrical forms, but I think specifically the, the rhythm of the action, the movement, the, the shape of the body, the design of the body in space, and the articulation of action. So if we go back to the coffee cup example, you can break down the act of drinking coffee into, you know, a hundred different movements and then decide for each second, split second, not quite, every second of that process, what rhythm do you want to apply? What's the shape of the body? So it's really, really uh, precise. Someone looking in from the outside, yeah. what are they going to, have you actually, have you seen a Lecoq show or like something that's derived from that, yeah. that school? What was the difference watching from the outside? The action is more realistic and normal in oh. a Lecoq show. It's, it's not so stylized. So actually, let's roll that back. Roll that back in terms of my uh, my other question, which is: Can you give us a brief <laughs> background mm -hmm. on corporeal mime? Because yeah, you, yeah. you mentioned De Croo, and but but yeah. we haven't the actually itself and how it came to be. Because yeah. because you have an, you have at least two idiots when it comes to this thing sitting in the room. Sorry, Henry, it's me and you. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but how did corporeal mime okay. come to, come to be what it mm. is? There was a general movement in theatre at the early twentieth century of theatre people realising that theatre had become a, very much about text and not really enough about anything else. And um, de Croo was one of the people who who saw that if you were to take away the script, what, is, what actually is it that the actor is offering on stage? And he had a, a vision of a type of theatre which, in which through the actor's body alone, Forget about even, you know, stage lighting and fancy costumes, set. Even if you take away all of that, just put an actor on stage, they are capable of completely entrancing uh, an audience. And so he said, he was a very uh, provocative person in his thinking. He said, I'm going to create this experiment. We are going to banish from the theatre all sound, not just voice and, and words, but sound, we will banish any kind of set. You're not allowed to have uh, any kind of elevation that means that one actor is higher than another. If you want to create the effect that one actor is taller or higher than another, do it with you your body. Do it with the body, exactly. Yes, yes. So in that principle, kick out the lighting director, kick out the costume maker. What can the actor really do now? 
And then from that, he developed uh, the technique and then said, okay, now we can bring back all those other things, but only to enhance, to, to uh, add to what already is there without making it easier for the actor by replacing what the actor was doing with those other things. Ensure the actor is still the main medium for the drama and then add in all the other layers. So to clarify, the sounds, the only sounds in the theater would yeah. be footsteps, yes. kicking, yeah. jumping, yeah. things that you landing. can't avoid. Yeah. In, yes. yeah. So that was um, an experiment that went on for decades. And even throughout his life, De Cruz shows almost all had no text, but his next the next generation, including my teachers, who were his last assistants, Stephen Watson and Corinne Soom, their shows make prolific use of text. Mm. Um, there was never the idea there should never be text. It's just that it was like almost like the process of a child beginning to learning to walk and then to talk. He felt the theatre, the actor's trade, has to had to go through that process. And in Touch Me Not, you mm. uh, and which we're going to bring Andrew back in mm. here and talk about that. But uh, Andrew's character is talky. You're, you're mouthy. You're a little mouthy. Yeah. And now I call Moto, who has not joined us uh, for this interview, unfortunately. She is more is 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 entirely physical. So this this disparity. Mm. Why 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 did you choose? And I'm asking to both of you actually yeah. because it's your show. Also, like it's it's y'all two's show. I mean, Andrew came to me and said, "I want you to direct a show with me and Nawe." So look, those are the raw, raw ingredients, raw materials. What are you going to do? <laughs> Am I going to make Andrew do pirouettes? <laughs> um, I would be, and I would be highly entertained if you would. Actually, that's yeah. Let's put that in the show, Andrew. Right? We, yes, we'll still do time. that. Still we'll got three it. weeks. The kilt works great for that as well. Yeah, I'm not wearing the kilt in the show though. <laughs> Strangely, the kilt still works. Oh, they're not going to come anymore, Andrew. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> so so Andrew said, okay, let's make a show with the two of us, and I thought that's perfect. You can really make a really nice dialogue between vo text and action. It's something I'm very interested in is how those two things can be put together. There are so many different ways that they can connect. And so that you'll, there's some scenes in the show where it's literally, it started from Andrew is speaking. He's trying to remember a poem. And now he's responding, not through dance, through the action of sweeping and cleaning. And so the rhythm of the movement, the movement of the sweep, uh, of the broom, of uh, the dust cloth is her response to the rhythm of Andrew's voice. And I, yeah, I think that's, I think it's, I think it's beautiful and unusual. You don't often see that. Well, I sincerely hope that everybody will come and actually see it at some point soon, which by the way, just to, just to quickly plug this, this is showing on the 20th and 20th, 18th and 19th. Ah, I did the flyer for this. I should know. Yeah. Uh, 18th and 19th uh, in Kawasaki. We'll September. Have later. Uh, September. 18th yes. and 19th, which yeah, is a Sunday and a Kawasaki. Monday. Mm. Don't be yes, cause it's Yes, that's right. Because it's uh, it's the Silver Week. Monday. Monday is a holiday and we are doing the show Sunday and Monday. It's a double bill with, with another physical performer who's doing mm -hmm. a comedy piece. One of the, one of the things that we've talked about this so I'm I'm texty text person. That's what I do. It's I I do you know I write text. The last show I did was just yap 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 yap. Like you know Craig Russell and I just yap 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 the whole time because we're both we're both writers. And so coming into this, I thought that the big battle that Tanya and I were going to have was I'd be like, oh this we need to put this scene in. We need we need some text for this. And then Tanya would be no 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 we need silence. There needs to be silence silence quiet 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 silence. 
Yeah, but actually it's turned out to be the opposite. Yeah. I t- I'm fighting to not speak. <laughs> and Tanya's, Tanya keeps going, hey, we need more text here. I want you to say some more stuff here. I think there should be some talking in this scene. And so it's really weird to be stuck in exactly the opposite yeah. situation that we expected. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's because there were so many elements in this show. In fact, that's something we, in our rehearsal today we were just trying something completely new because we've got music, we've got some really wonderful music in the show that I really love by from lots of different places. Some that's specially commissioned for us by Takuto Koide. Yay! Yay! Yay. Some that's specially created for us by Henry Morse. Boo! Yay! Yay. <laughs> Sorry, those, those camera clacks you hear in the background uh, are, are Henry messing with my camera. Yeah, very musically. You're learning, you're learning a lot camera. back there. <laughs> Good man. And then we've also, we're using the music of a wonderful Estonian composer called Peter Vehi. And I'm sorry, Peter, I don't know how to pronounce your name. Um, and so with all of that, plus we've got Andrew's text, plus we've got both Andrew and now is action and the rhythm of the action, which has been very precisely worked. Um, and so there's timed, plus we've got video elements. Um, what else? That's it. That's basically, That's, I think, for I mean, the, yeah, the layers. So there are times when now I'm watching it, I think, I think we need to start taking out. And the other thing is that has been a new departure for me was interacting, uh, experimenting with the ways of interacting between stage action and screen action. So film is a big theme in this show because it's about a man who's a filmmaker and it's showing clips from his old movies. And I wanted to show this four-way relationship between the two people on the screen and the two people on stage. So there are moments when we're playing with the shadow of the person on stage, times when the action of the person on, you know, in the film is responding rhythmically to the action of Andrew on, uh, on the stage, uh, times when Andrew's talking to, to Ken in the movie. It's, you know, all those things that's also added to the complexity of plus also the move the film of course all is supposed to look very old because my grandfather who's this show is loosely based on he was making movies in 1912 sorry hang on what yeah hello this show this yeah? show which, which was loosely based on my yeah. grandfather yes wait i wouldn't tell you that what i didn't tell you that I... oh that's another whole story i figured andrew dig- dug up some old crappy thing that he you know saw when he was in university and thought it was kind of cool oh. and just readapted it for this huh. oh, no 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 how much longer? have we got enough time <laughs> uh, this is a whole i'll new take chapter. i'll take a i'll take a short version right now and then we'll right. back up to it later okay so in fact going back to the story when andrew first said make a movie uh make a show with me and now and that they reminded me of my grandparents the two of them my grandfather was a con- uh, start again an american living in the Philippines at the beginning of the 20th century. And he was, in fact, the first person to make feature-length movies in the Philippines. His first wife was an actress, and so he made movies with her starring in it. She then died. And then, fast forward about 20 20 years, he then met another young Filipina, who is the inspiration for Naue's character in this show. So, uh not Japanese, but Philippine lady. Um, So that reminded me of this. He was very much a man of literature and art, filmmaking. One of the few things my mother told me about him and his first marriage is that he used to have these very romantic poetry readings and they would go and read poetry with all their very artistic friends. 
when she died, he put all that life behind him and he kind of buried himself in his work um, and then met this very pragmatic young Filipina girl who, for me, the metaphor of now we're playing a, a person who's cleaning, that's like the person who's practical here and now doing what needs to be done while the uh, my grandfather's character is you know, still remembering the poems, thinking about the old movies. It's totally two different worlds, two different styles of people. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a nice counterpoint for a show. Hmm. I, I now feel duly educated. Let's, let's back up into how you actually found, found your way in a corporeal mind, mm. because you went from, as you said, you said earlier that you came from a business background, mm. which, hi, how's it going? Um, to, you went from business background to corporeal mind. You yeah. jump, you jumped into g general theater interest. You had an interest in theater. You kind of, how, how did you even, mm -hmm. you kind of just went, oh, yeah, yeah corporeal mind. Well, uh, I was there busy being a management consultant and, you know, putting on my suit every day. Exciting. And I picked so up exciting. a flyer for the, well, it was quite exciting to me at the time. I thought, mm -hmm. wow, I'm, I'm quite lucky. I'm pretty lucky. It was, a, it was a good job and it was varied and it was fun. But um, I picked up a flyer for the London International Mime Festival. Oh, there's a connection here. London International Mime Festival. One of the shows was a show by the uh, Théâtre de Lange Fou theatre company, which is the company run by my old teachers and directors. And they advertised, uh, they were running a workshop. So I thought, what the hell? That sounds like a crazy thing to do over a weekend. So I went and did a weekend workshop in Corporeal Mime. And it blew my mind. Um, so I was pestering the teachers of the school for months saying, can I, I want to come and do another workshop. And they said, yeah, wait, wait, wait. There's a summer school, a two-week summer school coming up in the summer. So I kind of somehow got through the spring, signed up to do the summer school, used up my entire working allowance uh, of holidays to go to, to a workshop, a studio in North London. And at the end of that, it was, I remember just coming home on the last day of that workshop and it was waterworks. I was on my bike driving down the Caledonian Road, for anyone who knows London. And I very nearly died multiple times. I couldn't see the tears were just pouring from my eyes. It was like a part of me had just been rediscovered and was just mourning the fact that it had been basically put on ice for the last 20 years of my life. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wow, I'm alive. <laughs> There's a way to express myself that is me. And so... And doesn't involve what kind of watch or shoes you wear. Uh, we were backing up from the business metaphor to. Oh, I see. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yes. yes. You've been, you've been that's gone. You've been gone in the cold too long. <laughs> so that's it. So then I basically, I went to my boss and I said, okay, look, can I have at least a three month semi sabbatical? I'll still work for you part time, but I just need to be in North London every day till three o'clock. And he said, mm, okay. He was an amazing man, Alan Gasson. He said, yes. So wow, I did that. Wow. Okay. And so I was in my, you know, black lycra until three o'clock and then I pulled on my suit and went into the city and was with this entirely different world and you know for the rest of the day and that went on for two and a half years and then I said to myself I said to myself it's time to quit the job and I remember sitting in a cafe with a friend and saying Anna I'm going to write myself a letter saying Tanya by the first of April you will quit your job and I'm going to sign it and you're going to countersign it. 
And in fact, I didn't get as far as December. I think I already quit the job. That is it. And then so then I gave up the consulting career. It, it was just before the end of it's a three year diploma program in corporeal mime. And so just before the my diploma time came up, I was able to focus completely to prepare for the diploma. And then after that, I carried on. There's a two year teaching and directing course after that. So I did that. And then I was invited to join the company and started making shows with the Théâtre de Langefou, the mime company in London, until six years ago when Ken, ah, I haven't, haven't um, involved Ken in this story so far. So Ken was the, the hero of the mime world already when I joined as a, as a kind of uh, baby to the mime world. And by the time that I was in, I can't remember quite when it happened. We always have long debates about this, but at some point <laughs> we ended up together and he eventually, after 18 years in London said, right, it's time to go back to my home, my land. And I said, oh, I'll come too. So that was that. And here you are. Here I am. And here you are trying to blow minds yourself. With corporeal mime workshops and yes, exactly putting on your own shows, shows. Uh, talks whenever anyone wants to listen to us, putting the words in the air or on the air as is oh, right. yes. happening at the yeah. moment, putting the words on the air. Yeah, huh? Yeah. In and how is that? And how is that going? You've been doing this. You've been uh, you've been uh, a corporeal mime sort of ambassador in mm. Japan since. When? In very end of 2010. So six years now, just about. Yes. Just about. Six years, yeah. So. How is that going? Well, the, hap the greatest thing is that I've found people who are obviously inspired by the way I work. So here I am working with other inspiring people. We've done shows and workshops where I can see people seeing new possibilities for themselves through doing that. That's the most amazing thing. We did a workshop to a week ago in Okayama. It was a weekend workshop with a group of six people that we'd never met before, where we had to make a 20-minute version of the seagull. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's funny. For anyone in the know, that's funny. Yeah, if you're a theater person, mm -hmm. you'll, you'll, you'll know why that's funny. Yeah. So um, we did that. We had so little time to really connect with these people and convey anything. But somehow the show, there was a real spirit in that show and there was something sparked in them and that was really exciting so things like that that's all i don't there's no way as far as i'm concerned to measure success quantitatively i just go by you know that little feeling from time to time oh i think what well, most of all am i inspiring myself am i getting better and inspiring myself that's the thing i can control most and then hopefully i kind of make draw conclusions about what other people around me might be thinking but i could always be wrong <laughs> So, yeah, I try not to measure success by anything too, too uh, obvious. Where is the dream now? What's the dream now? You, you've come back, you've, you've, you're, you're in a rhythm, you've gotten, you've been trying different things. What's, what's, what's the goal? What's the dream now? Well, funnily enough, I would say... In, in your theater work and otherwise, yeah. like I, I don't mean to bottle yeah. up and just talk only about your theater, not your um, personal life. It's yeah. just anything is fun yeah. here. Because I would say from the moment where my rational world fell apart <laughs> well as it's seen from the outside my poor mother she still thinks that you know i'm a i'm a mess but um from the moment then all the kind of the you know the nice sensible management consulting career and all that kind of nice path 
just kind of fell apart. I stopped having dream, kind of definable dreams. I just knew the dream was just to be doing what I loved. And that's still basically the dream. But recently, a more concrete dream has been emerging, which is to have concrete, <laughs> a, a home, a house, a building where not only where Ken and I can live, but can actually be teaching and performing and doing workshops and collaborating. It just feels so scattered at the moment and tiring, carrying props and equipment and everything, as you know, Andrew knows all too well. Every, carrying everything wherever you go and every time you rehearse you have to put everything up and then you have to take it down at the end of the day because someone else is coming in. So the dream is to have a space. Sounds like you need to set up shop at a school somewhere. No, because then the school people want to do their stuff. I want mm -hmm. my mm -hmm. space or our space where no one is going to... No, you just go, you just go in and, and, and strong arm and charm and strong charm arm. And I might have to pull you in at that point, John. Yes. Don't charm arm. <laughs> that's my game. Smarm arm. Smarm arm. Smarm arm. Smarm arm. Smarm arm. Yes, that's, that's Andrew's game. Okay. I'll charm arm. He'll smarm arm. <laughs> we'll get Henry to strong arm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Look at his arms. So uh, as someone who's now doing, who's seen your shows and is doing shows with you, um, I just want, I think maybe a lot of people could have the wrong idea. When they hear the word mime, they have a specific image. They've watched a lot of Hollywood films. They think mime is a French guy wearing a striped shirt in white face paint and a sort of puro kind of kind of look. But that that's not at all what we're doing. That's not at all, like it's not even remotely close to what your shows look like, what this show looks like. Can you maybe talk a little bit about like in the context of what can people expect to see when they come to, well, our show mm. or one of uh, Tati Nai Nanika's shows? Mm. Well, if they, to come and see this show, I think one of the striking things will be the way the show is structured. It's not structured like a once upon a time. Um, Although that a, line is in the that, show. <laughs> I know, that's why I hesitated. <laughs> By coincidence, that is in there. But it's not structured as a kind of a narrative story with, a, you know, then this happened and then this happened and then they either all lived happily ever after or not. Um, it's almost structured more like a poem. So there are themes that recur, um, things happen. You don't need to understand all the factual background as to who the characters are and how they're, that's not important. It's more about the relationships um, and the moods and atmospheres that are created and how it affects you as a viewer, almost emotionally and viscerally. Um, so that's one thing. It's the way it's structured. Don't expect a... Um, a story where you can kind of join all the dots and understand exactly, you know, what the what the what the story is. I, I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I think actually this particular piece yeah. has a reasonably clear. I mean, there's an emotional story, and it, yeah. I think it's quite clear. Mm. Um, and yeah, there's a little bit of. Um, is it daytime? Is it nighttime? Is this mm. taking place over one evening or is this many months? Like mm. there's that kind of uh, mm. fluidity with time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, you know, for the performers, it's obviously, it's like we go straight through and we don't even think about that. But from mm. an audience point of view, mm. uh, but it's, I think it's actually, it's, it's quite straightforward as far as modern, yeah. modern yeah. theater goes. I don't think it's going to be, I don't think anyone's going to be, I mean, some of my shows in the past, I think have been extremely confusing almost sometimes by design. Um, but 
this is actually, I think it's, I think it's quite straightforward. Mm, mm. And, but I guess it's a different kind of story and that the story might be your character. You crumple up a piece of paper and drop it on the floor. Now it comes and sweeps it up. That's the kind of storyline. Yeah. Rather than that's not the kind of storyline you normally expect. It's know? not. It's not about. It's yeah. It's not plot heavy. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of internal stuff going on that the that, that we the creators have sort of created, mm. but it's to inform what the audience sees, and it's more about as an audience member, you can maybe take away something different from it. I mean, the the whole point mm. is to have is to go there and be affected. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Either yeah. intellectually or emotionally. Yeah. Or what's another way you can be affected? Chron um, uh, chronologically, physically, you could be, be, it could be a Gallagher show, it could be a Gallagher watermelon smashing show. Americans in the room, well, none. You, you Damn can. It. Well, I mean, if you if but you're physically, definitely, yes, yeah, definitely, you physically, physically by a watermelon smashing person. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Because actually, that's something that's very, you know, this type of theater. I mean, physicality is very connected to emotions and, uh, and and how how and behavior and it's it's not something you can you can separate out like yeah. I'm going to be angry so I'm going to wave my fist it's it doesn't it, these these are all part and parcel yeah. and they they work together and they come out of the moment right and Completely. but also for the audience member in life I think but also for the audience members watching the show yeah I'm feeling really I'm feeling really good about this one I'm usually three weeks out I'm usually uh, you know in my pants. Just blowing out the back. I don't wear pants, actually. Um, <laughs> my kilt. I'm my kilt. That's unfortunate. It's, it's three sensors in like ten that's seconds. That's gonna happen. Yeah. It's better you do wear trousers, but anyway. <laughs> well, no, no, it depends. On what you <laughs> he, gets, he gets up in the morning and he goes, "I'm not sure. What am I, am I gonna my pants? Should I put them on?" But anyway, mm. I'm so not. So now uh, the, uh, the secret is out. This is why Andrew Wilner wears a kilt. Yeah, because I'm usually my pants three weeks before a show. Um, yeah, that's that's it. But no, I'm 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 really I'm really happy about how this show is looking, and I just I would really encourage people to come and see it. And seriously, I'm just going to jump in here. This is Andrew Woolner as you've never seen him before, so come and prepare to be surprised with what you get. I just want to be clear: this is not French guys in striped shirts and white face with puro makeup. Uh, but then, but but also just sort of as a bonus, we, we should mention that. Uh, that you and Ken are also in the show. So you, I, if you come to the show, you will get to see people who are at the top of the, of the top of the form of corporeal mime in the show. So you're going to get to see, you know, you're going to get to see the show that we've created, but you're also going to get like a really clear taste of like, these are people who know what the hell they're doing with this. But let's, let's, can, can I, can I quickly interject mm. here to my understanding, corporeal mime is not exactly a big field to be on the top of, not to, not to uh, <laughs> disparage in any way whatsoever, true. but it's it's, it, it is a it is a it is a thin field, isn't it? Yeah. So um, here in Japan, there there are people who have studied in corporeal mime, but to have any intense training in corporeal mime until now, you would have had to go abroad to London or um, US. Not an extremely uncommon circumstance for forms of for many forms true. of theater, though. Yeah. So yeah. True. Western um, influence theater, of course. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how many yeah. how many people can just let me mm. nail this down? How many people do you think are actively practicing corporeal mime beyond beyond dabbling around the world? At a guess, at a ballpark, in the hundreds. Okay. Because it's the kind of thing where you might study it intensely for even up to three years, and after that, if you're not still studying intensely the technique. You're probably going to evolve it into a into a certain style, uh, involve other kinds of movement, other 
uh, genres. And it's, it's just very easy to lose the core technique and the core repertoire of corporeal mind. And this repertoire is, it's like learning Bach, the Bach prelude, or like learning a Mozart, a uh, piece of Mozart. You study that in order to be able to develop your own style, but it's so crucial, it's so important and valuable to study that repertoire itself. And that repertoire, yes, you can have videos of it, but it's not, it's not like having the score of a music and you can just sit down and play it if you haven't played it for 10 years. The body just loses the ability to do that, in my experience. <laughs> Even a few weeks, months, and um, I could feel it. it. It's just, I could feel how it could disappear so easily. Mm. So that's the tricky thing about keeping it alive. It's by definition something that's, in the way that theatre is something that's so intangible. Multiply that by 100 in the particular case of corporeal mime. And I, actually, I just realized because you are actually perhaps one of the most unique uh, interviewees we've had so far. Because you are, I, I think, I think you are the only person who commits to a single sort of form, a single discipline, or a single technique as the centerpiece of his, her, they, them. Pick a pronoun. Um, She's fine. Another form. Me. Yeah, good, 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 good. Thanks. <laughs> I, I would imagine that being in that kind of niche would be very challenging mm. in a country that seems to have a very thin pool of people who are interested in Western influenced mm. theater. It's funny, isn't it? Because I think in our times at the moment, there's a fashion to try a lot of different things. And it's always seen as a good thing to be open-minded, to try something new, incorporate new influences. And it is a good thing, but it can also be a good thing to shut the doors on the rest of the world and just dig in the dark deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper without any interaction with other movements and influences because you're going to find things that you wouldn't have found otherwise. Um, it's a bit, I think it's similar to the history of Japan in which, you know, there's many years the walls were down and it was so inward looking. And yet because of that, there's so many very specific, very deep, very unique cultural parts of Japanese culture and you don't find that, you know, if, for example, within Europe, all these little countries and they're so close, their culture is practically a monoculture at the extreme, you know, whereas Japan is so different because it did close its doors. Yes, it can be a bad thing, but it can also be a good thing. Mm -hmm. So before we go, tell us about your next show. Tell us about what you're working on next. Besides Touch Me Not, obviously you have other things on the back burner and the front burner, and you might have even have side burners. Oh, my God. Sideburns? <laughs> no, that's me. No, I have a beard. Sorry. Andrew has side. No, you side oh, I'm, no, no. I'm growing okay. a beard for the show. What are you working on? What are you working on besides Touch, Touch Me Not? What can we see? What can so, we go and look at? Soon after Touch Me Not, Hamlet. Not Hamlet. <laughs> no, the other, the You're other one. You're referring to Tip, the Macbeth. Macbeth. Macbeth is happening. And so Craig came to me and Ken and said, can you uh, do something with the witch's parts? Craig, Craig is the director, just to fill that in. Craig, yeah. I assumed everyone would know that. So, um, yes, Craig Russell is directing not Hamlet, but Macbeth on this occasion. And so we, Tarina and Nanika, are rustling something together for that. I will be one of the witches, actually, um, together with two others. And so we will appear on the tip stage. Also, within Tarina and Nanika, we're developing a new show, which is a very long-term project, a collaboration with another actor, another 
speaking actor. <laughs> I say that as if we can't speak. We can speak. <laughs> we speak too. Um, but uh, um, um, one of them. Yes. And so we are creating a show with no particular title, no particular. It's one of those things we're just experimenting to see what's ha- what's possible first. And out of that, once we've experimented a bit, we'll start to turn it into a show. So that at the moment is called just the research unit. Very inspiring title. And, and very accurate, I think, yes. And very accurate. Very, very accurate. Yeah, that's true. So some point in 2017, that will turn into something which can be seen somewhere by someone. And how can we keep in touch with you and how can we, uh, how can the audience, hi audience, how are you? Um, how can the audience uh, keep up with your pursuits and see run fast. whatever happens? You have to run fast. One of the best ways, in fact, to find out more about Corporeal Mime is not to watch it, but to try it. So we offer classes twice a week in Sasazuka mm-hmm. and offer a free trial class to anyone at all. Tokyo folks is pretty close to Shinjuku if you haven't uh, if you been there yet. Well, should we you. also? And they're they're amazing classes. I've actually done a few a few of them. They're quite far from Yokohama, so I haven't done as many as I like. Which means but... that most of you listening will be close enough to them for it. Not yes, to exactly. Now, Sasazuka, actually, for those of you who are listening who do any kind of rehearsals at our space, it's like one stop yeah, from, from Hatagaya. Then YouTube, you can see some videos, get some glimpses of things we do. YouTube, Tarinai Nanika on YouTube. Um, just get in touch, get on our mailing list. You can um, either just go to Facebook and Tarinai Nanika. How can we make that easy to look up? That will be easy if they go to our website. Ah. And then we have a link there. Ah. And stuff like that. So there's Actually, no you know what? Here's what I'm going to do, guys. Go to um, go to exit.ytg.jp slash Tanya, T-A-N-I-A. Thank you. And there will be a link there. There will be a link. It will send you straight to their Facebook page. How about yep. that? That, that works for good. you? That works for me. I want to write that down so I don't forget. Thank you. Because <laughs> I will forget. So last question before we wrap this interview up, this uh, this fabulous, entertaining, and inquisitive and informative interview. You've been in the community working on theater. You've been committed to corporeal mind for so long. What kind of suggestions can you give to the uh, Western influenced and perhaps the theater community as a whole in Japan in terms of just general advice? Spend time. Spend time on whatever you do. Nothing can be done in a, in a short period of time. Nothing good can be done in a short period of time. The more time you put in, time is, is a, an amazing resource, I think, when it comes to creating art. Just quite simply, the more time you put in, the better quality the output will be. And I know it's so hard to do that when we're all running around trying to do other things and support ourselves. But that's, I think that's the reality. It's good. Uh, yeah. Okay. So on, on that note, I gotta, I gotta leave cause I gotta go pick up my kid. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to excuse myself. Grab yourself and scoot. I have actually one more question. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, you can, you can ask me that question. You go. I'm going to, um, don't forget your stuff. Uh, you know, no, I'll, I'll grab my stuff. Sorry, I'm just going to go. Ha. Uh, Ah, uh, you got it again. Oh, you got it again. It's in the doorway. What? What? It's in the. Those are. <laughs> is it little? You look like you're. You look like you're. you're, you're is it cute no, it's this just, time? It's is it? Wait a second. We've got a, we, We've got an intern, Henry. All right. Can you go out and see if you can pass the kaiju for me? Has he got insurance? No, be friendly. Be really friendly. Uh, really I friendly. don't know. But we'll okay. we'll backdate some statements. He's young. He's young. Be nice. <laughs> Oh. Oh. oh, Henry has been around. I thought he was. Jesus. I, I, hope insurance, I, hope I know he's not in Japanese health insurance, so I hope his insurance is good because that is 
That's not pretty. Who's oh. gonna clear that up? Bone. He's got tiny. I'll bones. just. I'll he's just got roll. Tiny bones. He's, I'm just. Yeah. No. I don't think. Most. I'll just. I'll just kick the remain out. Remains out as I go out onto the road. It's um, recycling day tomorrow. They'll probably pick it up. They will probably. Yeah. So I'm gonna leave. Why don't you? Um. Uh, I think it's gone. You got one of us. It's satisfied. It's happy. It's happy. So um, why don't you? Uh, why don't you just get Tanya to read us the credits, and sure. then uh, yeah, that'll be done. And I'm gonna go. Take care of my son, who has a father to to, to come and pick him up because I sacrificed <laughs> because I sacrificed the YTG intern, the single YTG intern with no family. Well done, well done, Andrew. You're you're a wise man of strategy and valor. Damn, I should have asked him to make that extra bit of music before that happened. Yeah. Well, you know how what? will he? How will he foley Interns the? Interns uh, are a dime a dozen. Yeah, we'll get another one. How will he foley the kaiju sounds now that he's dead? Produced by John Matthews and Andrew Woolner in association with the Yokohama Theatre Group. You can subscribe to this podcast. Enough of the funny accent? Okay. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Stitcher, or the site's RSS feed, all of which you can find at exit.ytg.jp. Special thanks to me, Tanya Koch for keeping the dream of corporeal mime alive. Thanks, John. You're welcome. If you want to keep up with me, you can go to the Tadinai Nanika official Facebook page, which we've made into a convenient link at the exit site. Go to exit.ytg.jp slash Tanya. T-A-N-I-A. Thanks also to YTG intern Henry Morse for his excellent sound work with the podcast and for taking one solid kaiju death for the team. You'll be missed, Heza. If you'd like to support YTG, the people behind this podcast, please head over to patreon.com forward slash YTG and become a patron. Thank you.